When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Marcus, with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing, bud? I am really good, Casey. Super, super, super duper here in wonderful Greeley, Colorado. Greeley, Colorado. Well, good thing there's not much agriculture in that part of the world. No, it's definitely, you know, old buildings and concrete. So. Very much so, yeah. I think Weld County, Colorado is the... It's like the second or third largest ag producing county in the in the country in the country, maybe. If not, as you can tell behind me, yeah. agriculture is not important here at all. Not at all. Not at all. No. Are those I mean, dogs just, back there. Um, I think they're cats. I'm not German really sure. shepherds. There you go. <laughs> German shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, there's a lot of dairy down that part of the world. A lot of of uh, cattle production and feedlot operations. Those kind of things. There's a lot of uh, um, row crop production, mostly going into. Uh, silage formation for uh for all the dairies and stuff that's there so huge county as far as agriculture goes also huge county as far as energy goes too so it's a pretty diverse uh part of the world that is uh very rich in in what we're talking about here so since you're getting ready to talk a little dairy to the folks out there today let's start with the dairy um 
side of the uh, equation here and you're looking out there and that's just been it just can't get a foothold you'll see it take off and, and run and make a run for a minute and then it'll just give it all back plus some i'm obviously waiting on the chinese um demand that we need to see happen in, in dairy to get that that price up but sean looking at dairy right now what are your thoughts there and and where do you see that headed one of the interesting things is we always follow the relative value of any market to the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index or other indexes to see if they're outperforming, underperforming, or acting similarly. What's very interesting is that the dairy price for the last two years has literally been one-to-one -one correlation with the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index. It's unbelievable. It's just if the all you've needed to do to predict the milk price is just get the Goldman Sachs commodity price correct. So, so we have a market that's really being driven by the macro picture. What that's telling me is that that right now milk prices are strictly being driven by what's driving asset markets because it's being it's being moved up and down by the overall commodity complex. Um, so that's interesting, right? So, so, so what I'm going to be talking about today is right now, based upon its behavior, you know, milk prices are going to turn up when the Goldman Sachs commodity index turns up. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is that when you look at the price of milk relative to cattle, relative to corn, relative to uh, bean meal, all three measures are showing that milk prices are substantially undervalued. The last time, Casey, that we had this um, trifecta of undervaluation was August of 2021. In fact, I was here uh, doing a dairy conference speech that month and went over the same criteria, suggesting that you know we were pretty close, or you know this should be an area, a low area for quite some time. And that was obviously what began the the run up to 25, 26. I think I'm trying to remember exactly where the price was at that time, but it was you know I think it was 15 or something like that. So so just because something is cheap doesn't mean it can't stay cheap. But understand that uh, bottoms are made when a market is cheap. So I'm pretty comfortable that. Uh, you know, the dairy, you know, remember, we have peak production here in the United States, max supply right now in the United States. Um, just feel like, you know, this period, uh, you know, now heading into June, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, going to be a period to look back and say that was an important low for dairy. Well, if I look a little further down the, down the line, right, we know African swine fever at the moment is depressing protein prices in China everywhere, whether it's chicken price, whether it's the pork price. And of course, milk powder, which is a protein source, gets hit with that as well. At the same time, later on in the year, we know we've been through this cycle, there's going to be a huge shortage of meat proteins and proteins, which means the demand for milk powder um, as, a, as, a, as a substitute is, or as an additive is going to be very, very high. So, so we like the demand side picture. Uh, when we get further out into the year. Um, also, you know, it, it, I, if there's a, uh, there's a way to look at global liquidity, um, meaning looking at global central banks, global government uh, spending, interest rates. Um, and it, it, there's a, uh, it's called the GMI financial conditions index. And it has tended to lead asset markets up and down or, or telling you when liquidity is going to improve, not today, but like six months later. And so there's a lag. So it, it starts to go up uh, 
and then it, and then the the asset markets follow behind it, and, and, and conversely, it does the same thing to the upside. That index turned up very strongly three months ago. I um, mean, we've seen this. That means that the anticipation is that later in the year we're going to see a significant improvement in liquidity globally, which means we're going to see um, probably interest rates come down, money printing starting again. We're going to see the economy improving, government spending, you know, all these kind of things that tend to increase liquidity in the global banking system. And so once again, that suggests to me that later on in the year, the the tight financial conditions that are creating consternation with asset markets and demand right now are, are the, the story six months from now is going to be how much the economy is on the mend. It's improving. You know, things are getting better. And I think that's something that obviously the dairy market's very, very sensitive to that because the restaurant side of the business drives a lot of cheese demand, drives a lot of butter demand. And so um, milk prices can, you know, tends to be very sensitive to that future liquidity factor that on top of what might be going on with African swine fever shortages and protein in China, I just feel, you know, that we're in a good place in the, in the milk market. And meaning not today, like these are great prices, but I think we're in a good place that most of the downside, most of the negativity, you know, is priced in. When I look at a chart at deferred prices, I think right now the average class four, class three price from September through December is about $18 and 80 cents per hundred weight. I think that's what the average is right now. I think we might come down just a, you know, one more notch down into June. This debt ceiling could create you know a little issue as much as it, is it in the end, does it mean anything? The markets can react. So we might get one more knockdown on commodity prices. But I think $18, you know, give or take, is probably your, 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 your strong support area for that, for the deferred price, which means we're pretty close. So I kind of, I'm pretty... You know, if I'm a if I'm a buyer of milk in my business, if I'm DFA, if I'm a buyer of milk, physical milk, I think this is a place you know I'd want to be protecting upside price risks right now. I think we're in a pretty good place with the dairy market for a important low and and, and an improvement in prices as we move into a lot of part of the year. Right on. Okay. That's probably the best news that anyone's heard about dairy for a while there, Sean. So it looks like there's there's definitely it's been, a tough, it's, it's been a tough six months. Some yeah. of the margins out west are worse than they were in 09, which is really um, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah. So, so I, coming from a, a forge harvester perspective, the dairy price really drives that that business. And those forge harvesters, you know, when the dairy price is down, it's a struggle to get rid of of stuff and or you need a drought one or two and and make the thing happen so unfortunately um we're in that spot right now and, and we're struggling through that but um kind of like we said it, it it does seem like there's you've seen the volatility where you're seeing these big spike ups and spike downs spike up that volatility is just looking for a for a breakup or a breakdown i guess but um i think I, I think one of the biggest probably the most important driver here for me is that the cattle price um is so high relative to the milk price and we have such a shortage of uh, cattle in the U.S. It's not going to go away anytime soon. We, yeah, we can add some weights. We can mess around with demand a little bit. But we know that's just you know the, he the heifers aren't there. The cold cow rates are sky high in dairy. They're, they, you know, we're, we're just not going to be able to grow the herd. In fact, we're going to shrink this herd in, in the U.S. pretty significantly as we get into the end of the year. And throughout history, you know, that tends to be one of the most powerful fundamental long-term forces that drive uh, 
supply up and down and drive prices up and down. And so we, we could have a perfect situation where you have the dairy herd really falling off, production really falling off later in the year, just as the U.S. economy is improving, the global economy is improving, and China wants every protein it can get its hands on. You, know, you could have, a, you know, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. This has been a pretty negative reaction, but you know, there's a possibility that later this year, the storyline could be diametrically completely opposite of what we're seeing today. And that's not unusual for dairy. Dairy is a boom bust cycle market, always has been, always will be. Whenever you have product that you really can't store for very long, you know, mm. if you just have enough, you have too much. If you just don't have enough, you don't have enough. So it's it's feast or famine. But I, you know, I'm pretty optimistic, I guess, that yeah. those those uh foresters are going to start, you know, being bid up again later this year. So right. right on. Okay. All right, Sean, let's jump over and talk a little bit about cotton. So cotton, here we are. You hear the word recession every time something comes on and we're headed for a recession. We've been headed for a recession for, it feels like, about a year and a half now. And no one can say that we have the indicators. People are pointing out different indicators, but it really seems like no one really knows what's happening out there. So I guess, Sean, as you take a look at the cotton market, how it's reacted since you know, we had a put a looks like to put a low in um, sometime towards the latter part of April around 77 cents. And now today we're trading about 85 cents. Um, still good price but for cotton out there right now. If you're looking at where it is can considerably uh, where it needs to be at as far as profitability and those kind of things go. Um, you know, we go back a year ago, you start looking at where cotton was at there. Um Back in uh, November, put a low in about 75 cents, and it kind of bounced back and teetered back and forth. But for the most part, cotton has kind of hung around that low to mid-80s on average here since about November of last year. So I guess, Sean, as you're looking at the cotton market, what are some of your thoughts there, and where do you see that headed at? The most economically sensitive ag market in the world is the cotton market. So we know, we just talked about this with dairy, You know, cotton is even more sensitive to this liquidity factor, the economic factor. Um, uh, you know, in most market, in most ag markets, it's supply and it's supply and demand. Right. In the in the cotton market, it's supply and demand. Like demand is extremely important in that market. Well, you can't get any more negative, in my opinion, about the the global economy. I mean, right. shoot, I mean, you know, jumping off a ten story building has been has been a a pretty good option if you've listened to everybody talking about the cotton market and how demand is never going to return. So you have to believe that anyone who's wanting to wanted to have sold cotton because of the economy has done so already, whether physical or speculative. So I'm pretty comfortable that we have nowhere to go but up on the demand side of the equation. We also know that the acres that we're going to that we're planting right now in the US is going to be on the low side. Now, we don't know how much abandonment we're going to have. Texas can be a huge swing factor. Millions of acres can go unharvested or harvested, depending upon exactly how the weather plays out. But in the end, you know, the amount of acres that we're planting is not high, which means even if we have good weather and a good crop, production's not going to be overburdensome if we have any improvement in demand whatsoever. And so I think the, the cotton market is sort of where it needs to be, right? I mean, if you looked at the, a price chart of cotton, it's been doing almost nothing for like two months. Like it's been stuck in this 78 to 80 cent, just back and forth. It seems like it's it's at the correct price level right now that's matching poor demand with potentially, you know, low supply, 
Um, and it's sort of, to me, it feels like it's, it's coiling. It's kind of like it's waiting for the, this demand signal to get triggered. And we could see a move to the upside later on in this year. Usually when markets get this quiet and low volatile and just, I call it the EKG of a rock. It just is just doing nothing. You know, they always say never short a quiet market uh, because usually when it wakes up, it wakes up typically to the upside. I, I think I think there's higher prices in cotton. It's not my favorite market um, uh, in, in terms of things I'm looking at because I don't think the weather is going to be I think the weather overall for the U.S. cotton areas is going to be okay, and I like to. I get more excited when weather might be adverse in a particular ag market that I'm interested in. But at the same time, you know, I th I think the market can work higher based upon economic improvement and increased demand. Um, and of course, you know, we can always throw in some weather problems during the growing season. It's somewhere, someone, you know, there can always be an issue. But uh, I like the market. I think if once again, if I'm a, a physical buyer of cotton, if I'm someone that's on that side of the equation and looking at how the price is playing out, you know, I definitely would want to make sure I don't get caught, you know, with a surprise spike trade higher on, on, on some news that demand is really starting to pick up somewhere. I just think I'd we want to make sure I, I protected my physical supply to the upside here going into the end of the year from here. So right on. Okay. All right, last, let's talk about a hog, the hog market. And there's the market that just cannot get anything going. It'll have a couple of days where it runs up and does good, and it might gain, you know, 80 cents in a day, and, and then tomorrow it gives back $1.60. So, I mean, it's just a huge amount of just turn on, on hog market right now. And obviously, we're looking at what we see happening there with uh, China and African swine fever, and you would think that there'd be more demand and more export demand for hogs than what we see, but China's made it pretty clear that they're only going to come to the U.S. when there's nothing else to get anywhere else. So uh, you're seeing that kind of play out right now a little bit when you look into that. Also, the pork cutout side of this that was relatively high that it has has started to uh, kind of erode down a little bit as well. So looking at the hog market, Sean, what are some of your thoughts there? Well, I mean, no question that the U.S. US demand for pork has been terrible. I mean, the pork cutout has just crashed. It's still near the lows. It's just been awful. And, you know, one has to wonder why U.S. consumers aren't taking advantage of this tremendous value of pork price relative to the beef price. It's just amazing that, you know, a lot of the people in the industry talk about how the industry is focused more on efficiency than flavor. And that they've lost sight that you know people will will pay considerably more if there's flavor, and that maybe the industry needs to get back to producing a more flavorful uh, pork cutout than than they have. Um, the other the, the the ruling by the uh, uh, Supreme Court that is allowing California to impose restrictions on where the pork, you know, that the pork can only come into California if the pigs are treated in the manner with which they feel they should be. There's a whole list of how yeah. they, they believe is they're supposed to be handled in a more humane way, but the Supreme court upheld that they have the right to do that. And so there's a ton of pork that's not going to California that would normally go to California that needs to go somewhere else short term. You know, that's also not a good, it's not, good for the u.s pork price because you know now you have to find a new buyer for this pork at a time that we already are struggling to find demand for the pork 
to begin with at a time that African swine fever is, is terribly depressing pork prices in China and the hog price in China is extremely depressed. So it's this is a tough time, Casey. Um, obviously, they always say the best, the best, the best way to cure low prices is with low prices because eventually, if you have low prices for long enough, demand will come and take that value off the market. But this is going to take a little while, Casey. I think, you know, given this um, decision, and you know, the problem with it's not that the hog producers can't do what California is asking of them, but it's going to increase their costs. And they want to know, are you going to pay the higher price if we do this to offset our costs? And no one is giving them any assurance. No one is saying, yeah, we're definitely saying, oh, it'll be there. Well, you know what? Show me, you know, show me that you're willing to pay a price that, that makes it worth my while to go do all these things you're asking me to do and increase my costs. The hog producer is not going to do it right now. Um, uh, in mass. And so, so that's right now. And, and that's not a good situation uh, as we, you know, as we move through the next couple of months. However, however, African swine fever, as we said earlier about dairy will lead to a serious shortage later in the year. Demand from China will pick up later in the year. Um, we, at these prices, we just like in dairy, we're looking at some of the greatest losses in the hog industry since 2009 in terms of, you know, net margins to them. I mean, you cannot run the industry that way for very long and think that you're going to continue to. So weights are going to come down, Casey, and the hog herd is going to start, is going to contract. No question about it. So what you're going to be looking at later this year is you're going to be looking at uh, a reduced hog herd, reduced weights, reduced supply. And I would have to believe that um, as the U S economy improves, we're going to see some better demand for, you know, for the pork price. So tough sledding right now. It's unfortunate that the decision was made from the Supreme Court to limit uh, pork into California at a time that things were already very, very bad for the hog producer. Can't control that. It probably kicks the can down the road to, to, to for maybe another month or two for lower prices than would have otherwise been the case. But I, but I do think that. If you're looking at December hog prices here, I think around this low 70 cent a pound area, if you look at the charts, that looks like a pretty good area for this market to start developing some kind of a bottoming process, like we talked about with the cotton market, where it's just starts to develop some kind of a sideways trade. So I, I think most of this negative news is now in the, 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 the hog price, but I'm not I'm not certain that we're we're ready to turn the market around uh, anytime. So I think we need a couple of months of base building before we get there. So, um, okay. Good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over at Hacker Financial. What's the best way to do that? Well, we have a Twitter page, Faradex11, at Faradex11 that people can go to. We have a, we have a LinkedIn page, and we also have, of course, have our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We typically post interviews from time to time to go over some of our capital flows, weather work, and forecasts, and you know, what, we're, what we see going ahead and, and how we go about making those recommendations. Right on, man. Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate it. Safe travels back from Greeley, Colorado, back to the warm sands of Florida. Back to back to Mercury. That's where I'm heading back to Mercury. <laughs> so, summer's arrived. Summer has arrived in Florida, huh? It's hotter than hell now. Yeah. Of course, I'm not complaining because I like it hot, but it's hot now. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, well. Uh, you'll have your opportunity to like it hot. I'm, I'm, I have that. 
have that uh have that in my head there because I've been. And that's where you take. That's where you take your wet clothes and you put them. You put them out to dry, and and six hours later they're just as wet. Just as wet as they <laughs> Get that machete out and catch your hole through. You can walk around, right? So yeah, that's right. Stuff. Well, Sean, thanks, man. Have safe travels. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. All right, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check us out over on the YouTube channel. Where you can watch the video version of this and see the the cool artwork behind Sean here. So check that out. Go to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast. Then go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related and get all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. If you're interested in getting more information about that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, or you can just go ahead and sign up right there on the website. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Smooth Smart folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.